0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Jonah chapter 1, are we ready to read? Say aye. aye. Okay, here goes. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, right? the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Ah, dear. There could be trouble ahead. I do, I do requests. Um, <laughs> he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. Look at this. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Lesson number one. If you're going to go out of God's will, it's going to cost you all your money. <laughs> and you won't arrive. So it's not a good idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Then the Lord, verse 4, sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Verse 5, which is where I want to center myself today, but here it is. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him. I want you to notice this. He goes to him. And he says, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us. And we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. (laughs) God told on him. Can you say amen? (laughs) So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for all this trouble? And so he explains, just for time, we won't read it all, I'm a Hebrew, I've run away from the Lord. And, uh, And the sea was getting rougher, verse 11. And they said, so what should we do? So verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it's my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land. But they couldn't. for The sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, O Yahweh, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't, don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea, Grew calm. Wow. At this, the, man, the, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They got saved, didn't they? Even without a two-course dinner. <laughs> I mean, they had it, but they'd thrown it overboard in, earlier. And just in case Jonah's hungry, look at verse 17. The Lord provided a great fish (laughs) to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. All right. Let me bring you back to verse 5. We're going to stay in verse 5 for the next half an hour. Verse 5, all the sailors were afraid, it says. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? And each cried out to their own God, and, and then they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Um, I want to, the title of my message this morning is Crisis Management. And uh, what's interesting about this verse to me is it seems like the components of what to do or how we respond in a bit of a crisis, a bit of a storm, are all here in this verse. And so I just want to gently talk through them. And, uh, and for us to ask ourselves, what can we learn from this? And how, uh, how do we respond when things don't really go our way? Particularly, uh, and we're not, now we're talking about a real crisis. We're not talking about the Wi-Fi isn't very good today. Right? We're not talking about, ooh, uh, my recorder did not record Love Island. One time, one time, a pastor was in someone's home and um, they were praying, you know. And while they were praying, there was a noise in the room. Do you remember when you used to have a, a video cassette recorder? Do you remember that? Betamax, you know? And you used to, it had a timer, didn't it? You could time it to record things. Now, some of you are looking at me with that Pentecostal blank stare, like. <laughs> Never. Last film I saw was Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> anyway, there was this noise, so they're all praying, you know, casting out demons over China or something. And then suddenly the of the video cassette recorder. You remember those You've probably still got a beatamax, haven't you? And um, just totally refused to get rid of his films. Anyway, someone said are you recording EastEnders? (laughs) Because it was around the time of when EastEnders might have started. And the people in the house group were so offended, you know. (laughs) How dare you? We don't watch EastEnders here. We're Pentecostal people. We don't watch EastEnders. This is a totally true story. We wouldn't watch that. So he said, so what are you recording? He said, wife swap. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true story. True story. I think they were probably Elim Pentecostals. All right, back, back to the Bible. A proper crisis. Proper crisis. Not that it's gone a bit chilly or you can't open the window in the hotel or. Uh, like, this is a proper crisis. These people thought they were going to die. Do you understand? They were going to die. How do we know that? Because you don't throw your cargo into the sea, <laughs> that's your livelihood. So, and then you don't murder the stowaway. <laughs> right? So, this. Pro- they thought they were going to... Die. They're on a plane heading to the ground. They thought they... These men think they're going to die in this moment. And uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the ancient world, uh, you, you may or may not know that they, as is true, of course, today, they would have believed in the God of the land, the God of the sky, the God of the sea, and things like this. And the God of the sea was considered the most dangerous of all, which is why Jesus, in his ministry, demonstrates his power over the sea um, a lot. He walks on it, he stops a storm, you know, things like that, to show his total invincibility to the forces of the day. Now, that doesn't, may not work in our culture now, uh, but it certainly worked in that. That's why as soon as he calms the storm, the Bible says that the disciples were frightened of him. And it's the only time it says, it. you know, just throw that in for free. So these people thought they were going to die. Well, what do you do when you have a crisis? The problem with a crisis is, quite often, it it doesn't appear in our calendar, does it? We don't get a heads up on it. It arrives (laughs) without really phoning ahead to book the table. It just arrives. So anyway, here are three things that I see in this text that happened That will happen in your life, hopefully, will happen in your life too. So, just let me explain. So, they're number one, they have an emotional response, don't they? They were what? Afraid. Afraid. When something terrible happens, it's terrible. When things terrible happen, they're terrifying. When something awful happens, it's awful, right? And when something suddenly happens, now you know, don't you, that we could stop the service right now and everybody could take the microphone, everybody, and tell a story from sometime in the last five years, everybody, of how suddenly something happened and you weren't ready for it all so the first thing that happens is an emotional response and today I want to encourage you when things go wrong please will you give yourself permission to be upset (laughs) one of the things I don't know if it's a British thing Western thing, but as soon as in any context, in a British context, (coughs) especially in some sort of ordinary setting, as soon as somebody begins to cry, the first thing we do is say this, don't cry, (laughs) don't cry, (laughs) we reach for tissues to like cover it up. Now, that's because it normally a lady, and normally they're worried not just about the disaster, but now their mascara has also uh, uh, you know kicked in to this moment. God is emotional. God grieves. Jesus wept. God in the scripture is often heartbroken over things. God mourns and laments and creates you in his image to do exactly the same thing. Wouldn't it be great to go to a church where it was okay to be real all the time can you say amen? amen? I might burst into tears in a moment. Here, My mascara will not run. Wouldn't it be great to be able to acknowledge when Stephen in the book of Acts was martyred, it says this, the church mourned for him. It does not say they met together and sang, Oh, happy day. Because it's important. Now, now, as we'll see in a moment, we can't stay in the tear box. We're going to have to move out of there in a minute. But you, you've sometimes got to have the tear box. Sometimes, It takes years to recover from something terrible that's happened to you. Years. And in fact, can I say this? Sometimes we don't recover from things at all. We merely adapt to the new life that we now have. And can I give you permission, if if you need it, you don't have to recover from something you're not supposed to recover from. You have to adapt to a new way of life, maybe, to a new scenario. My dear dad, who's now, I believe, with the Lord because my mum died just four years ahead of him, he never recovered. Of course he didn't. I'm not supposed to sit with my dad and say, come on, dad, it's four years now, time to recover It was never time to recover from the loss of my mum. It was time to adapt, all right? And he had permission now to watch the sport. (laughs) I said, Dad, you don't have to watch Homes Under the Hammer anymore. He said, son, he said, can I really watch Grandstand now? I said, yeah. And he turned over and found that Grandstand had passed away 25 years ago. <laughs> I want to say this to you. If you're upset, please can you be upset? I mean, maybe not everywhere you go. There might be a context for it. Yes, there might be a context for it. But if you're upset, you're supposed to be upset. God made you to be upset. God allowed you to, to cry your pain out. I want to keep it all in. Now, there's a context. Everyone understands that? There's a context for this. There's a place. And there's a group of people, maybe, with whom to be more real than others. Yes? Everyone understand that? I have to love everyone. I don't have to trust everyone. Right? I don't have to entrust myself to everyone. You ask me a personal question later, I'll say it's none of your business. Right? But other people, maybe I trust them, maybe I tell them more about. So we're not talking about being an open book. But there's a place to be upset. David mourned when his son died. He did not sing, it is well with my soul. Now it was well with his soul. But there's a place to be, to be allowed, to be an expressive person. So I want to encourage you um, along those lines. Jesus not only wept for Lazarus, but he was hopping mad when he got to the temple. That was an emotional response too, wasn't it? There's such a thing as a righteous anger, you know. There's such a thing as a a sense of deep injustice that arises within us to say, I need to solve this scenario. I need to do something about this. And so sometimes, that's why the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. In Ephesians, it suggests that there's plenty of times where anger is an absolute sin. One of the works of the flesh It's called fits of rage. Well, we don't want any of that around here. Can you say amen? If you want to have a fit of rage, do it on Mill Road. We're not insured for you to have a fit of rage here. In fact, joking apart, don't do it at all. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But there are other times where it might just be important for you to be angry. It might be important for there to be, again, in the right context, with the right people, with the right constraint, with the right uh, environment. If you're sick, you're sick. You you, you don't have to pretend that you're not. We believe in being optimistic and faithful. We don't believe in positive thinking. We believe in a positive outcome of prayer. Not a positive outcome of how I'm thinking. All Christian thinking is positive, but not all positive thinking is Christian. Have a think about that. So the first response was an emotional one. Sometimes I've conducted funerals, I'll at one, of course, Tomorrow, as many of you know. And uh, the funeral is a place where, and everyone goes saying, I'm going to hold it together. (laughs) And maybe sometimes, in certain circumstances, maybe that's not what they should do. Maybe this is the place to not hold it together. You get bad news from the doctor, you should go home and cry about that. I mean, first of all, there are other things to do, but, 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 but being a Christian doesn't mean living some sort of big pretense that no pain comes near our door. That is not true. Sometimes even in ministry scenarios, the Holy Spirit will come upon people and, and they'll start to sob and sob and, can I just throw this in for free? Maybe... You should leave them alone. Maybe six women leaping on that woman to say it will be all right is maybe not the best thing to happen in that very moment. Yes? Sometimes people want to be comforted. They should be comforted. But there are other times when God wants to do such a deep work That actually the presence of people coming to bring comfort is blocking some great healing that could be happening. As people take their eyes off what the Holy Spirit is doing and just accept the flesh and the human comfort of others. anyway, have a think about that. So I want you to be a real person. I want to be a real person. Now the second thing they do, you see it on the screen or in the text, is there's A spiritual response. They each cried out to their own God. Well, as we've said already, these were not Christians. These are are pagan mariners. But isn't it interesting that their response is a spiritual one? Don't you think that sometimes these pagan mariners in this story... Might put you and me, a born again spirit filled Christian, to shame today. Who might reach for the phone before we reach for the throne? Something in these men. Now, maybe it's when you get to a scenario where you think you're going to die. How many atheists do you think really exist on a crashing plane? Seconds from impact. Uh, Only God knows as suddenly people become converted to prayer in a moment of crisis. You know as well as I do that your unchurched or unsaved or non-Christian friends, they know all about prayer when things go bad. They know all about saying, oh God, help me, or suddenly being open to prayer. Of course it's evangelistic opportunity. But it says something about an inner believer that seems to be on the inside of most people. Yes? We're not working against people's beliefs. There's an inner theist, not an inner atheist, inside the vast majority of people who who want to believe, who have been created to believe. Now, let's forget them and talk about us. We, the people of God, Crying will not cure you. It will it'll help you. That moment of emotion may be a, may be a much needed psychological you know, necessity for you. And God's plan for you. But we must turn, when we are in a crisis where there's much emotion, we must not stay there Forever. Someone who gets fired from their job is likely to be cross. Maybe it happened to you. Or you had to resign or something. You know, you're likely to be cross. But if we come back and see you five years from now and you're still cross, there's something dreadfully wrong with you. It's not your boss anymore. Now I'm afraid it's you. Everyone understand? So there must be a moving on from that state of affairs. Now we're the people of God, so we believe that we should call upon the Lord. Sometimes, can I just tell you the truth a moment here? Sometimes when things go wrong, that's when we really realize, don't we, who we really are? what we really believe. And sometimes, maybe even the Holy Spirit will throw us such a curveball to bring us to that place. One of my favorite psalms, I was just thinking about it this morning, I wasn't going to mention it, but let me mention it now. (coughs) Known by everyone here, Psalm 23. Where the psalmist, now just, just watch this as I just get... a tad forensic the psalmist begins by talking about God you would think that his relationship with God was great as it the Lord's my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down and just within the context of the of the poetry he's talking about God and he's talking wonderful things about God But then something changes in the psalm. I don't know whether you noticed it before. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then there's a change. Because you are with me. Now earlier he, he was saying, the Lord is. He makes me. He restores my soul. He, and now as soon as he's in a tunnel... He's not talking about God anymore. Now he has to talk to God. You are with me. You prepare a table before me. So he stops talking about God and he starts talking to God. But it doesn't happen when he's in the field behaving like a sheep and lying in pastures new. It happens when he's in the tunnel of death. Sometimes some of the difficulties that come into our life simply God giving us a ring and say why don't we talk <laughs> why don't we talk now, now sometimes of course it's not God doing it but God working all things together for good There are some people in this room again and maybe only heaven will be able to fully reveal this information the very best thing that ever happened to you was when everything went wrong for you the very best thing that ever happened was when you became ill the very best thing that ever happened was when you were fired the very best thing that ever happened was when you had a you know relational fight or so it, it might be the very best thing that ever happened to you because all of a sudden Now you've got to have God. I was thinking the other day, and someone asked us to pray for them. Now, please stay with me. I want to tell you something here. They said, oh, please will you pray? It was about a situation that they had. It wasn't like for a miracle healing, but a sort of a scenario in their life, their business, their home, and that sort of prayer. And they told me, please really pray about this. And I said, of course. And I remember thinking to myself, this is impossible. This isn't going to work. And that moment kicks in. You know that moment where you think, I just haven't got any faith for this. I haven't got any faith at all for this. I mean, I'm going to pretend, Lord, thank you for being so powerful. You can do anything. And in my hand I'm going, no, you can't. You can't do this. (laughs) You do anything. But in my mind I'm thinking, God can't do this. This can't be changed. This is terrible. And so I'm praying, oh, thank you, Father. You are good. I'm believing you right now, was in my head. I'm thinking, I am disbelieving you right now. And later I said, Lord... I'm so sorry because in that moment when I prayed, I didn't really believe. And I felt the Lord encouraged me. Actually, he said this. He said, in that moment, suddenly, Peter, he said, you had to touch me like you wouldn't normally have had to. It was as though the Lord said to me, in fact, you did believe. Yes. Sometimes if you, said, if you came to me and said, oh, please will you pray for me? I'm going for an interview on Thursday. Have you got the qualifications? Yes. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you going to dress up smartly? Yes. Who else is going for the job? Well, me and the guy from the pet shop. And I might say, oh, Lord, please, will you give such and such a person the job? Because do you know what? There's a 70-30 chance it's going to happen anyway. Right? And I think, oh, I've got great faith for this. But somehow, when you get into a scenario where 99% is against you, don't you understand you have to touch God in that moment and you going home thinking, I just haven't got any faith. Yes, you have. Because suddenly you're being propelled into a shipwrecked boat where you the only person you can touch is God. Not good chances, not likelihoods. Everyone understand what I'm trying to say? Not, oh well, it'll probably happen anyway. The only person who can do it is God. And sometimes these shipwrecks are good for us. Now, who wants a shipwreck? Nobody. No one is coming to the shipwreck anointing seminar in London next month. No one is going on the gospel cruise guaranteed to be sent a divine wind. Everyone listen to me you might get more spiritually out of a shipwreck than a thousand conventions and conferences. And the conferences are expensive. Everyone understand? God knows what he's doing. So number one is an emotional response. Number two there's a spiritual response. And I want to encourage you. God, God's there. He's real. You should talk to him. God's, in many cases, God's your only hope. You've got to touch him. You say, well, I'm finding it hard to believe. I understand. But finding it hard to believe is not not believing. Touch him! And I want to encourage you. Listen to me. Maybe... Maybe this, you need to hear this today. I think for some of you, you are believing more now than ever. Although you're thinking you're not, but actually you are. Because now you've got to hold on to him or you're finished. So you're feeling uncomfortable, scared. But you've got hold of him. Now you're not singing about him singing to him because you're in the tunnel now and the third thing easy a practical response they think right what can we do about this (laughs) there was an old Pentecostal tradition you know that once you prayed do you know what you did after that you left it with the Lord (laughs) well are you thinking about selling your cup I've left it with the Lord Well, you're going to need to sell your house. Yeah, yeah, well, I've left it with the Lord. Which Lord, Jeffrey Archer? Which Lord, Andrew Lloyd Webber? Which Lord? Jesus is many things in the Bible, but he's never put a car in a second-hand magazine (laughs) under your name. You have to do that. Well, I'm, I'm running out of money right isn't it about time you sold something there no no I'm I'm leaving it with the Lord no it's not unspiritual to get practical listen let, let me just throw this in where does money come from in the Bible it comes from work that's where it comes from Money doesn't come through the letterbox sent by the angel Gabriel. It doesn't. It comes by God strengthening you, giving you opportunity to go and get work. It, that's in the Bible. For man shall not work, he shall not go to Carlos' kebabs. Oh, sorry. That's Cambridge for "Eat. No. Now look, th- listen, there were times where uh, in my early days of ministry I had absolutely no money and, and money did sometimes come through the letterbox but the reason money came through the letterbox was because somebody else worked. <laughs> right? And bless me. But it came from work. So, so sometimes we have to do things. It's not, it's not unscriptural to do things. If you find yourself to be ill, have a cry, have a pray, and then go to the doctor. There are two people generally that don't, two types of people who generally don't go to the doctor. Number one, the healthy, and number two, men. <laughs> I went to see my doctor the other day. He looked up he was like there's a man in here? Sometimes it's perfectly biblical to go and do something. I love that story in Isaiah where, um, it's in Isaiah 38. It's also in one of the narratives of the Old Testament. It's going to be Kings or Chronicles. But anyway, in Isaiah, I think it's 38, Isaiah shows up and the Lord gives him a word. Tell King Hezekiah he's going to die. You imagine getting a word like that. The Lord speaks to you. Just want you to know, please go to the White House ask for trump tell him he's gonna die it'll be fine so you go you tell him trump you're fired <laughs> then you think oh, i've not been shot by security yet so you go out out of the oval office i know all the terms and uh And as you're going, the Lord speaks to you again. This is what happens in Isaiah 38. Go back and tell him he's not going to die. Are you kidding me? Go back and tell Hezekiah he's not going to die. But what's really fascinating is at the end of that chapter, Isaiah doesn't pray for the king. He prescribes him a a poultice of figs. He sends him to Boots. Yes, Yes, he does. Go forth to super drug. (laughs) And go go take the medicines. But you're Isaiah the prophet. Can't you pray for me? Yeah, I I could pray for you. I've prayed. The Lord says, go to super drug. (laughs) But I want a better testimony than that. Hello? No, I want a better testimony. I want to be healed by the power of God. Not by ibuprofen. No, there's something practical often to do. Remember one lady when I was pastoring in some other place, wasn't here. I nearly said the name of the town, so I've pulled back at the right time. Said, Oh, I'm fed up looking for a man. She was single. You guessed that, didn't you, from the voice? She said, I'm gonna write a list of everything that my future husband has to be. I think you can see the flaw in this plan. And she folded it up. And she put it under her bed. She said, I'm leaving it with the Lord. And she told me, I said, sweetheart, why don't you get rid of that list? And why don't you write a list of all the things that you're going to be? And then live them out. And you know what? Romeo will be along (laughs) much quicker than the current plan. How many of you know sometimes we've got to do something? And one of the things that Christians hate to do is they hate to make a decision because they want it to be God's will. Well, this must be God's will. (laughs) Oh, yeah, really? Sure, it must be God's will. But how are you going to know? Well, I'll ask God to confirm it. (laughs) How many times? About 618,000 times. How many of you know sometimes in a crisis, you've just got to do something? Now, you see, here's the thing. If after you've shed your tears, and after that, you see, here's the danger. The danger is you move from your tears to action without that middle bit. Everyone understand? That's key, because that's really what this whole sermon's about. You've got to do the middle bit. You've got to bring it to the Lord. If you bring it to the Lord, guess what will happen? The Lord will take you to Jonah's room. Because that's what happens. After they prayed, immediately, the captain goes and he knocks on Jonah's door. Now, I know they're not Christians. I know they're not Israelites. But somehow, God seemed to take them to the right door. He'd already messed with the lots. He'd built a giant fish in the sea. He was preparing a worm to show up in chapter 4. So he can certainly take the captain of the ship to Jonah's bedroom. People want words, you know, all the time. Oh, I need a word. I need a new word. Do you? I want a word. I'm coming to wonder, Or oh, will they be giving out words? <laughs> what is this, countdown? I want a word. All right, I'll give you a word. Supercalifragilistic. <laughs> Expialitosis. Oh, thank you. <laughs> then you'll be in the afternoon meeting. I need another word. <laughs> oh, I want a word. No, you don't want a word. Okay. Yeah, you want a word. But here's what you need wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom. Let them ask God. He gives liberally. Guess what happens if you don't ask God for wisdom in a crisis? I tell you. Before you get to the real issue you need to solve, you make some terrible mistakes. The cargo, my dears, is in the sea. It needn't be. Everyone understand? That's their livelihood. Thrown into the sea. Can you imagine? They've thrown Jonah in. The, 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 the storm has ceased. They're sitting on the ship, thanking the Lord. You know, oh, they made vows to him. Doesn't tell you what happened after that, does it? Where they stood up and went, oh no, Rodney, Look. Why didn't we throw him in first? Where's the cargo? It was here, Dale boy. One more turn, Dale. That's not relevant, but it's funny. Now listen. Do you know what many of you have done and I've done? In a crisis, we've done the wrong thing first. And guess what? We're, we're going to forgive ourselves because we're in a crisis. And in a crisis, you feel like you haven't got much time. You've got to do something. See, some people don't cry and they don't pray. They just take action. <laughs> so all these things must be done well. You must grieve well. You must be upset well. In order to get over it, not in order to prolong it. I was hurt in a church in 1974. They're all dead now. No, but I'm telling you the truth, aren't I? Come on! Ephesians 4 says this, that we're supposed to grow up put away childish things I'm not saying you weren't hurt but one of the wonderful things about the past is that it has passed if you let it so of of these three things today let me ask you this me to you right into your heart which of these are you quite good at (laughs) <laughs> you might say, well, none of them, really. But you see, there are some people here who are really good at praying, but they're, they're not really good at taking action because they feel they need to be sure that it's God. And sometimes, can I just say this? Please don't stone me to death at the city gates. There are many times in life where you're going to have to do things not quite knowing if this is exactly what God wants, but this is the thing that you feel is the only righteous choice that you can make. And then you don't look back and think, well, uh, you know. Here's the wonderful thing about God. When we go wrong, he can recalculate our route, can't he? Sometimes you have to just do something. I understand. But if you can avoid making the wrong decision, throwing your cargo out, all the better. Better to get to Jonah first before millions of pounds of cargo is in the sea. And their livelihood gone. Their lives, fine. But because they made the wrong call in a moment of crisis, then it, then it, then it cost them. So some people here are really good at being upset. You know that thing I said earlier, oh, we're never upset. Some people here are listening online You've got medals for being upset. You're always upset. You're not happy unless you're unhappy, are you? Maybe it's time for you to pray. Here's the thing. When we pray, we may discover this. And brother, I'm, I am coming to an end. But um, when we pray, we might discover that we're the problem. Jonah was the problem. The problem wasn't the wind, the problem was the man of God or the woman of God going in the wrong direction, making the wrong choices. If you constantly make the wrong choices, you're going to end up in the sea. So sometimes you might find, well I've been thrown out of this church and I, I've, I've broken up with, this is my sixth husband now or my sixth wife and i I'm always falling out with my kids and... Everyone's against me. You want to look in the mirror and say, is there perhaps something wrong with you? It's just about being honest, isn't it? We want to solve this. Maybe not, but maybe. So some will be really good at praying, but not so good at doing. Others, your instinct is to do. You want to get it solved now but maybe you didn't take that time to pray and others here uh, may feel that they've had to live their whole christian life pretending they were happy all the time but there are times when you won't be happy it is written of jesus he was anointed with the with the oil of gladness above all his companions But that's not how it looked at the tomb of Lazarus. He wept there. So let me ask you today which of these three works for you? And maybe as we begin to pray, Danny, come and help me again if you will. Bless you, pro. Maybe I can ask you as we, let's all stand together. Maybe you want to have a little think. So we pray together. We want God to help us to make great decisions. Often great decisions come from an inner wisdom, not an external word. In all you're getting, the Bible says, get wisdom doesn't say get to the prophet conference so that may help you but get wisdom let's close our eyes even now maybe there are things going on in your life it won't be revelation knowledge to know That in a room as large as this, or with those listening online, now or later on, that there'll be people here who are in a scenario where you don't know what to do. pray for you. And I pray that you will know what to do. Maybe there'll be nothing external about it. But maybe your heart will just move to a choice of action. Moved by the Holy Spirit I'm praying for something that is extremely unspectacular but necessarily supernatural does everyone understand what I mean? I pray that something will happen in your heart now in the name of Jesus Christ where you've been wavering between opinions, wondering what to do, wondering how to solve the problem you're in. I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to move upon you now. I pray that the Holy Spirit will go home with you today. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will blow through your home, blow through your car, Most of all, blow through your mind. And you'll know what to do. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org.